So We've Been Thinking, the podcast. In episode two of the podcast, we're speaking with Douglas Keon, a computer science teacher at the Punahou School in Hawaii, and my colleague at EdTech Teacher. Let's hear from Douglas. Douglas, thanks for joining us on uh, the So We've Been Thinking podcast. So just to jump right into it, uh, what have you been thinking about lately with regards to education or educational technology or anything within that broad realm um, and that world that we're all operating in? <laughs> okay, great. Um, well, I think for me, uh, what really struck me this summer was how important it is for me to get off my island <laughs> because, you know, I teach computer science and, uh, you know, in a, in a, a private school in Honolulu, uh, on Oahu in Hawaii, which is a wonderful place to be. But, um, you know, you also can really get kind of stuck in your own island where, you know, I, I love my colleagues. I love the people that I talk with. But a lot of the time when we get together, we have the same kinds of ideas and we're doing the same kinds of things. And so for me, my chance in the summers is to get off the island and go to the mainland and go to conferences and talk to other people. Um, and, and that kind of helps keep me refreshed. And the more I do that, the more I think about the fact that, you know, that's something that can happen to all of us, even, even, you know, if we're out, if we're on the quote on the mainland, um, you, you definitely, there is a danger of getting kind of stuck on your own Island. Um, and so the summer is a great chance to kind of, you know, Island hop and, get to visit other schools and talk with other people. It's funny because I thought this conversation would go down the path of the, the content. Like I admire the work with computer science that you do and introducing me to the idea of having, you know, people create with micro bit. Um, so I think it was interesting that the, the first idea was like the need to, whether it's literally or metaphorically, like get off of your Island and connect with other people. Um, and get, getting like outside of your comfort area or outside of your, like your sphere or your bubble of people that you work with maybe in isolation for the majority of the time. Obviously there was this huge kind of like swell of interest and push with the concept of coding our mm -hmm. code, all these, you know, free coding platforms for how to code and primarily block coding, which is not computer science, which is not programming. So I wonder if you could right. speak to a bit about, like I wouldn't, it's not like the dumbing down of computer science. There's value to having everyone get exposed to the, the concept of coding, but for, with your mm -hmm. background and your, your work in this area, like if you could speak to that a bit, like where you see it going, um, what are your thoughts on even like something as, as broad as the hour of code, like overall value mm -hmm. added, or is it diluting what really should be going on? Like, what do you think? Well, I think certainly exposure to different languages is important, but if anything, I think the most valuable thing we're doing is we're modeling for kids what it's like to go about learning a new language. Because to be honest, any language that kids learn now is not really going to help them in the future. It's going to be some other language. Uh, what will help them is being able to kind of jump in and swim around a little bit and sometimes be get your head, you know, be, be in over your head, but not feel like you're drowning. Okay. I think that's, that's probably the key skill that we give our kids at pretty much any level, because I mean, anybody who's ever tried to build a website, if you're, if you're trying to build a modern website these days, you've got to be able to dabble in HTML, CSS, JavaScript, probably some jQuery, um, maybe some kind of a backend database like Firebase or SQL, um, 
you might have to learn some Ajax. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. But if you had to, you know, as a teenager, feel like you understood eight or 10 different languages and protocols in order to get a website done, you'd never get the website done. And in fact, how most modern developers work is they're constantly diving into stuff that they don't totally understand, Mm. but they're just trying to learn just enough to make this work. And then the next time you go and you implement it in a slightly different way, you learn a little bit more, but becoming a, a modern programmer or a web developer is juggling, I would say probably maybe eight to 10 different literacies at the same time. Wow. And you can't achieve fluency in all of those in order to get stuff done. And the most successful people are the people who are able to learn just enough and are able to essentially teach themselves how to use a lot of these things. And so really at its core, when I think about computer science and programming, what we're really doing is we're really trying to teach kids how to learn. You're learning how to learn. And that's why I think coding in computer science is so important because it helps to push curricular reform because computer science and coding is primarily skills-based. You're trying to teach kids skills and, you know, how to debug, how to, you know, how to think computationally, critical thinking, problem solving, the collaboration is built into that. And if you look at a lot of the standards, either CSJ standards, ISTE standards, the college board principles framework, Many of those really, they're not so much about content, they're much more about skills. Mm. And, and I think that's, that's, that is both um, exciting and at the same time challenging because you, we have lots of teachers now who are being told, you know, okay, you have no coding experience whatsoever. Now we want you to teach coding. Oh, right. We're teaching math. Now we want you to teach coding in computer science. And teachers are like, well, I'm not a CS major. I can't do that. Um, but in many, in many ways, they are the ideal people to teach it because you're not an expert in the subject, because what you really, the best thing that you can do for kids is model how to go about learning something that you are unfamiliar with. Right. See, it's funny. So when, we don't need master computer scientists. We need master learners to model for kids when, you know, how to learn computer science. It's interesting because I think the, like a, a media push around this like the, the concept of coding, you know, coding is for everyone. And the hour of code is that like, we're talking about employment with the skill to code and that's where jobs are going to be. But you're saying that, Hey, maybe the, the real value added is in the process of understanding how to learn. Yeah. And problem solve. And that's the value in there because the, like you said, like we alluded to earlier, like the tools are going to change. The languages will change. It also made me think too, that, like I have minimal, like barely functioning skills with regards to all of this stuff you just talked about, right? But I can get a website mm-hmm. up. I can get any bit of content that I want on my website and generally make it the way I want it to look to some degree. And there's, mm-hmm. there's no barrier to entry. Like I don't need to know how to do any of that stuff to get up and running. But maybe is this the point that maybe the barriers are so low now but then there's enough resources that you can become like slightly more dangerous when you have the need to do it. But like you said, <laughs> I don't have to go, Oh my goodness, how do I learn these 10 things just to get my page up? Cause that's not even a requirement anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's interesting. I like, I wonder if 
you know, I've always said traditionally that it's not about the tools, it's about the skills. But I wonder if part of learning how to teach computer science and coding for the teacher is going to involve learning enough about the tool to make sure that it's going to push your kids to do the things that, you know, to do those things like debugging and problem solving and thinking creatively. Mm-hmm. Because there are sites like Weebly and things like that that, you know, allow kids to get up and running with a website very quickly. But the kinds of things that kids are being asked to do, you know, like choose a graphic, um, upload a graphic from the open save dialogue box, um, you know, click and drag to kind of position elements around it. Those to me are not coding skills. Mm-hmm. They're design skills. Right, right. And I think... I think you would want to be careful to make sure that the tools that you're using are going to involve, you know, kids having to, for instance, read through the specification for something that's pretty complex and ask questions. What is it that I need to know? Is this helpful for me? Does this get me closer to what I want to do? So I think there needs to be a certain complexity around it. So Unity, for example, is, is a great tool that, you know, involves some coding, but there's also a graphical interface and there's click and drag and everything else. But when you use it, it is complex enough that I think you can teach this. What do you do when you get stuck? I think mm-hmm. the tools need to be good tools, but they also need to be complex enough that kids are going to get stuck. Cause if you're not getting stuck, then you're not getting yourself unstuck. And if right. you're not having to get yourself unstuck regularly, then I don't think you're learning anything. Interesting. So that, that's like the turning point for you, like get stuck, get unstuck, figure out how to solve yes. the problem that you didn't even realize you're going to have to know how to solve prior to entry. Exactly. And ideally, you know, Mihai Chikmi talks about this in his book, Flow. And when you're in a state of flow, essentially you're working at the point of struggle. Mm-hmm. And that's where optimal learning is taking place. You're getting stuck, you're getting frustrated, but you're not getting discouraged. Uh, we, we want kids to be frustrated over and over again. We want them to get stuck and get unstuck. But if you're yeah. frustrated for too long with no solution, then you become discouraged, and that's not good. That's interesting. So I want to add one more idea to this. I was running a workshop this summer. Um, it was a design thinking workshop in Boston, and I had a computer science teacher from, um, from Hawaii who was in the workshop, and she was talking about how she primarily has kids you know, they're learning skills, they're solving problems. It's a, it was, it's a very technical class, right? Um, mm-hmm. And we started to talk about, you know, if we're going to embrace design thinking with regards to computer science in her APCS course, like where is the human element and is there humanity in, in computer science and is there any purpose to the work? And I think it transformed her perspective on, wait a minute, why am I actually having my kids do this? So I wonder if you could speak to that idea just a little bit with regards to, so we get beyond the technical skill and a student is, you know, dangerous enough, fairly proficient, but now why are they doing the work? Like, what's the meaning behind it? And is there any crossroads between, um, you know, doing work for others, solving meaningful problems and computer science? I think that's a great motivator for kids. I think, you know, creating programs that serve a purpose or fill a need for others is really powerful. And I think there are associated skills that are not directly computer science skills, but, you know, developing empathy, um, the whole design process of coming up with a prototype, rapidly iterating on that prototype. I think that's all very valuable. 
Um, and if kids have no ideas, then, you know, I mean, that's a great, that's a great place to go with it. Or even just say, you know, we are going to study this community of people and then we're going to find some app or something that might solve a problem for them. I think that's wonderful. Do you think you can start there? Do you think you can start with identify the problem that needs to be solved and then kind of work backwards through the skills, like start with the purpose and then there's motivation to learn the skills? Or do you think that it's critical that students develop a base of knowledge with, you know, what, with regards to like coding or computer science? Where well, I think you can do both. I think you can do both. I think you can start with this idea, but uh, start going through a curriculum that kind of gives you the skills. So Apple has a curriculum called Everyone Can Code. Mm-hmm. Um, they have two. They've got intro to app development with Swift, and they've also got app development with Swift. And both of these are free. Um, and they're very good because they they kind of take you through that process of identify a problem, come up with some possible solutions, but then they also build the foundation that you need in order to actually, you know, use the tools and, and create something. Right. So, you know, I think I think that's that's a great way to start because it gets kids hooked on solving a real life problem and understanding the context over just mastering the tool is actually really important in terms of differentiating how you attract boys versus girls into computer science. Because what the research is tending to show is that girls value the context over the tools and boys can be very tools focused and they'll, you know, for them, it's enough to say, okay, I'm going to learn Java. Now, what do I do with it? You know, but I, I, I want to have the, the badge that says, I know Java. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Um, whereas a lot of girls and also a lot of other boys as well, yeah, they, you know, why? Why are we learning this? What, right. what's, what's the problem that we're trying to solve? Who are the people we're trying to help? What are we trying to build? And then if part of the solution is we're going to learn Java, that's no problem at all. Um, so I think that, you know, and from a, from a practical standpoint, you know, I've built apps with kids for years. One of the easier apps to create as a beginner is a utility app. In other words, an app that does something useful, like a currency converter or a temperature converter, or you put in some of these inputs and it tells you an answer and gives you the output. Those are easier to build because they use frameworks and templates that are already on the system. Um, The hardest stuff to build is if kids want to build games where they make up the rules and they make up all the graphics and and, and every game is different. I mean, ideally you want games to be different. You want them to look different and behave different because you want them to be unique. Uh, With utilities, you generally want them to be similar. You want them to follow certain paradigms and certain frameworks. Otherwise people will get lost trying to use them. And so because of that, it's easier to teach kids using utilities. And if you're going to teach kids to build a utility, well, what's a utility going to do? You want it to solve a problem and do something useful, which is where the whole design thinking process comes in. That's- but one of the things that I'm realizing from working with the development committee at the college board is the framework for the principles, uh, the, the current framework really takes more of a design approach. In other words, it's really, it approaches it from a more traditional software design perspective. Who are we building this for? How are we going to design the specifications for this? Um, how are we going to create prototypes to our client? And that's a very traditional view of software design.
questions we're asking ourselves now are things like, well, are there other reasons why people create software? Suppose you wanted to create something for your own amusement, or you just wanted to tinker with something and learn through play and create something playful. Uh, well, what I'm realizing is that that is just as valid a reason for programming as, you know, a design oriented process where you're building for somebody else. And so I think there always needs to be an, an avenue for people to build stuff for themselves, for their own enjoyment, where they themselves are, quote, the client. Yeah. Um, and that, that's a little bit different than how you implement design thinking. Then that's a little bit different. You have to allow some some avenues for that. But it also, as I was saying earlier, it can also result in some more technically complex solutions that kids may not have the skills to be able to do initially. Right. right. I th so I think it's interesting because that, that divergent path right there. So which one do we to go down? One more where we're solving for someone else or one more where we're designing for our own personal interests and play and uh, maybe uh, the, for the sake of curiosity. I think that's a good point to stop to get people kind of pondering what's the purpose of the work that they might be doing in their classrooms or what's the purpose of the program that they're implementing in their schools. Um, so like always, every discussion that we have, uh, time flies by and we get to barely unlocking some ideas and this could go on, I'm sure, for quite some time. Um, but I, re I really appreciate you taking the time to chat today, share some of your insights into uh, kind of the purpose of the work that we're doing and, and what it could look like moving forward. Oh, it's always a pleasure to talk with you, Greg. Thanks for having me on. Great. Thanks a lot, Douglas.